It's time for Decal Download, your source for news and information from the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. We'll hear from Commissioner Amy M. Jacobs and special guests to give you an update on all things Decal. This is Decal Download. Downloading now. And welcome back to Decal Download. I'm Reg Griffin, Chief Communications Officer here at the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. With me, as always, Commissioner Amy Jacobs. Well, with many businesses reopening here in Georgia, the need for child care is on the rise. So parents and families can return to their jobs. Family child care learning homes and child care learning centers are operating under some strict guidelines that include smaller class sizes, temperature checks at the door, and meals served in classrooms. And Commissioner, today we're talking about what you can expect when you return to your child care program. Absolutely. Lots of things have changed and child care has a lot of new requirements to make sure that they keep their children and their teachers and their families safe. And so uh, we will hear more about what child care looks like now. Absolutely. And we are going to represent several perspectives today. Joining us to discuss the child care comeback and what parents can expect is Dana Morrison, Director of Field Operations in our Child Care Services Division. Melissa Herndon is Southeast Regional Manager for Child Care Services here at DECAL and a mom whose 19-month-old daughter has returned to child care. And a very special guest, Nadia Davis, who is a parent to two children enrolled with Primrose Alpharetta East. Ladies, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. Thank you. Let's start by getting to know you guys a little better. Dana, how long have you been with DECAL and what were you doing before this? Well, I have been with DECAL and I'm approaching 11 years in July. Prior to working with DECAL, I worked in a licensed child care program in Clayton County and I served as a lead pre-K teacher. Great experience. That pre-K teaching probably gave you a lot of preparation for this role. Do you enjoy the child care services side or did you enjoy the pre-k side how did that work out i enjoyed them both um i think it was great experience definitely coming into child care services to have um i do miss my babies but i still talk to them all um it's been 11 years now so seeing them grow up and um going on to school um past just the pre-k years have been amazing so it was definitely a great experience to have Melissa, how about you? What was your background before coming to DECAL? How long have you been with us? Well, ironically, I started work on the same exact day at DECAL almost 11 years ago with Dana. Our 11-year anniversary comes up July 16th. Um, So we have lots of years behind us together. Prior to DECAL, I actually worked in a child care setting as well, um, and in every role, just about a teacher, assistant director, a director. And for everyone that has been in those roles, especially as assistant director and director, you could basically say you've just worn about every hat that that there is to wear in child care. I appreciate the shared anniversary. Mine is with Human Resources Director Robin Stevens. We've been here eight years. We started the same week. So I hope you guys celebrate together. And it's always fun to uh, sort of share notes of how you're doing uh, along the way. Nadia, tell us about your family and how you became involved there with Primrose Alpharetta East. Well, we have been a Primrose family for the last three years, and I have two kids. Um, my daughter, Karina, is 11, and she has been attending the Primrose Aftercare Program. We started in Hall County at Primrose of Braselton, and as we moved to Forsyth County about a year ago, 
Uh, I was specifically looking for another Primrose school um, in the area and I went to several and with high recommendations, we joined Primrose of Alpharetta East. So other than my daughter, I have my son there as well. And he's five, uh, his name is Costin and he's attending their pre-K program. And he's been a Primrose kid for the last three years as well. So we love the format, we love the values and how the school sticks to those values of child, child care leadership and excellence in everything they do. So um, you know, we're looking forward to uh, next year at Primrose as well. Well, I think we have a great panel then uh, to talk about the new child care. So I would say it's an understatement to say we have seen a lot of challenges in child care since mid-March. Dana, what were you hearing from providers back when the public health emergency around COVID-19 began? Well, Amy, many of our providers were calling and wanting to know what was going on, what was going to happen, how it would affect them, the families that they served, as well as their staff. I think if anything, we just it was just a fear of the unknown um, for them and us as well, honestly, because we've never faced a situation like this. So just trying to help them to understand what was happening was the biggest thing that they needed from us. Now, here in Georgia, Governor Kemp gave child care providers the option to close if necessary or remain open to serve families in need. Dana, how many providers chose to close during this time? And then can you give us an update on what the numbers are looking like today? Absolutely. Um, We saw closures begin to rise when the public schools were beginning to close and um, when the number of persons allowed in a self-contained space was set at 10. Um, Unfortunately, our center's could not have more than 10 children in a classroom at one time. And so that caused some of our programs to close. Um, In the beginning of April, of those that reported, we had a little over approximately 2,200 programs that were announced as closed. So for today, as of this morning, and we get these numbers about 8 a.m. every morning, of those that have reported, we are at approximately 2,100 that are still reported as closed, which is about 47 Forty-seven percent of our population. Well, as childcare uh, learning homes and childcare learning centers begin to reopen and families begin to return, what will they notice about the new normal, and what changes should they be prepared for, Melissa or Dana? This is Dana. The first thing that I think that they will notice um, as they are driving up is the face masks, protective coverings, um, six-foot markings on the ground, possibly, and the screening kits. Um, Children and staff are being screened for symptoms as they come in. Questions are being asked regarding possible exposure. Um, They may also see older children and staff wearing masks. Um, They'll notice smaller class sizes for those that chose not to increase past the 10, since we are at 20 now, and many other precautions to help keep everyone as safe as possible. I think Melissa will be able to chime in as well as what she's seen from a parent standpoint. Yeah, definitely. Um, The biggest difference for me that I have seen taking my own child is um, just the transition for parents is for their drop off in the morning and even the pickup in the afternoon. Those routines are definitely going to be different uh, for parents. I recommend that parents carve out a little extra time in the mornings or afternoons when they are dropping off and picking up their children because the health and safety practices that have been put in place do take some time to complete, and it has to be completed one family at the time. I also recommend that parents talk to their children about what's going to happen. This is not familiar for children, and we all know children are very used to their routines. 
um, they're used to their parents taking them into their classrooms and getting them settled before they leave for the day. And that's just not the case for what's happening right now. One of the guidelines is that we restrict access for families um, and that's to help minimize exposure. So the majority of facilities seem to be taking children right there at the front door and conducting the temperature and health checks and then having a staff member take the child to their classroom. Transitions like this, like I said, are already sometimes hard on little ones um, just because they're so used to their routines. And this one might prove to make drop off a little harder than normal, especially if they're first returning from not being in care for anywhere from six to eight weeks for some people. So I think if parents just take that time to explain to their child what's going to happen, then the child will better understand the new routine and just have an overall better experience. So the allowed class size is now 20 people, including the teacher in an enclosed uh, classroom in a uh, child care center, which is up from the previous limit of 10 uh, people per class. But important to note uh, that providers are still required to adhere to the normal decal staff to child ratios. Can y'all explain that for us? That is correct, Reg. It is important that providers remember that although the numbers have increased from 10 to 20, and that's for total for parent, I'm sorry, for teachers and children, um, the ratios are still based on the ages and the license capacity of each room. These must be maintained in order to be um, in regulation with our rules and guidance. And we see the photos on our social media, uh, and they're precious, uh, of children wearing face masks, uh, teachers wearing masks. Is everyone required to wear a face mask? No, Reg, that's not a requirement based on the governor's executive order that was issued on May 12th of 2020. Um, However, because childcare is considered a public place, business owners can decide how to best follow the CDC's guidance in their programs. And if programs choose to wear masks, that is okay. It is important to know, though, that the CDC doesn't recommend children to and under to wear face masks, though, because of the danger of suffocation. I'll tell you, they're actually pretty stylish, if you're noticing. People are kind of taking it into a whole new world. Um, So you've got your basic face mask. You've got some with uh, your favorite sports team or your favorite hobby and and different styles. So it's been kind kind of fun to watch. Absolutely. Right. So, Melissa, uh, in addition to uh, your work in, at DECAL with the Child Care Services Division, we also know your mom to a 19-month-old daughter that has returned to child care. So I want to ask you more um, on your parent perspective than your child care services perspective. What were your questions and concerns as a parent as your daughter returned to child care? Sure. You know, I I might be one of those parents that could be a little intimidating because um, I might know too much, so to speak, because of my career. Um, But thankfully, I once actually worked for my child care provider, so we have a great relationship. Um, I'm obviously very familiar with what's required of the facilities now, and I never doubted their ability to put all the safety measures in place that we are requiring due to COVID-19. In fact, my personal opinion is I think if anyone can do this well, that child care providers are the ones that, they, that can handle all of these safety measures because they're already so used to so many certain health and safety practices that they do every day. And these requirements really just step it up a notch. I think my biggest concern personally is just about exposure. For eight weeks, I was able to keep my little people at home. I actually have a six-year-old as well um, that hasn't returned yet. But the 19-month-old, you know, basically it's impossible to get any work done with her around, as precious as she is. Um, But for eight weeks, they didn't go anywhere. I I didn't take them out in public or to the grocery store. 
I kept them very limited around family. So just that overall feeling of who will my child be exposed to at this point, because I don't have complete control over that um, with her going back into care. But I, I feel very confident in the health and safety measures, the temperature checks, everything that's being done daily to make sure children are kept safe. Melissa, as you're observing this and kind of reopening the center now is kind of trying to get back to normal. How has your provider handled all the restrictions and the changes? We know they've been hard to keep up with. And I know every time we issue guidance, we we feel uh, kind of guilty of, of changing the rules again, but this has been an ever-changing thing. How has your provider responded? It definitely has changed a lot, Reg. I do agree with that. Um, the owner of my center, I, we use a smaller um, privately owned center in Monroe County, and they've been wonderful. We're lucky to live in such a small community, and fortunately, we haven't had as many positive cases as some larger counties. Uh, but I'd say my provider really took time to see the trends of what was happening with the different positive cases and just to really research everything before she even chose to reopen. And then since they've reopened, they have followed every guideline that has been put into place the recent checklist um, from the governor's order, and they've taken other measures even that were some CDC recommend recommendations to step it up a notch just to ensure the health and safety of the children and their staff as well. So, Ms. Davis, uh, we heard a little bit about your two children that are both attending Primrose Alpharetta East, but, but just curious, did Primrose Alpharetta East close at any time during the COVID-19 pandemic? Um, yes, they did. So as we all received the stay-at-home order in early April, um, which initially I felt like there was some uncertainty surrounding the de definition of essential businesses, and I guess some people might have felt the same way. So Primrose School did close for two weeks, and I'm sure that was necessary for the administration to regroup, to readjust, to figure out the new protocols, and to launch a new set of procedures. And throughout those two weeks, one of my concerns was, you know, how long that would last? Would they open or would they, you know, stay closed for longer period of time? Um, the communications were fantastic. We were receiving weekly, if not daily, status updates through the messaging app that the school is using. So we knew at which point in the reopening process the school was at any given point in time. Um, so, you know, th that concern was addressed through really good communications. Um, but when we went back, um, of course, all of the procedures receiving kids back uh, were according to the state recommendations. And what I worried initially was whether or not the teachers would come back, because I knew that some of the teachers had, you know, elderly parents that lived with them. And I thought that, you know, given the high risk group being 60 and over, some of those teachers would be concerned about, you know, going to the going back to work and then possibly bringing, um, you know, being exposed and bringing the virus back home. However, that was not the case. And that was a huge relief for me. Um, and one of the I guess one of the biggest concerns for me as a parent was um, the issue of mental health for the kids. I know that we talk a lot about the physical health and everything that, you know, had to do with um um, you know, people getting getting sick with a virus coming down with a fever, developing cough. But we tend to kind of overlook this important area of health, in my opinion, which is the mental health. And think about kids. They're always looking forward towards something, especially with the end of the school year. They look forward to summer camps, pool parties, end of the year school trips, field days. 
And out of a sudden, all of that was taken away from them this year as the schools closed. And, you know, um, the, some of the child care centers closed, at least for a little bit. So none of that was on the calendar anymore. And, you know, kids from kindergarten to 12th grade had this new level of responsibility, this new burden to organize their daily school routine and teach themselves, you know, hard subjects as, such as math and science. And I'm sure for high schoolers, it was easier. But for elementary school kids, it was not. And the parents were trying to figure out, you know, work from home. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a working mom. My work didn't stop. I still had to put in eight-hour days and have meetings and teleconferences and have that quiet background so I could uh, present. And my daughter, my 11-year-old, she was exposed to 10 weeks of self-learning, which meant, you know, an exhausting self-discipline. And what elementary kid would do that willingly? So what I noticed with my daughter was that she was getting really depressed saying that summer's been canceled, she has nothing to look forward to. And I heard some other moms say the same thing as well. And I know it might sound silly to us as adults, but she was taking it rather dramatically and being socially isolated was taking a toll on her. So needless to say, you know, when Primrose said that they were opening back up, my five-year-old was extremely excited. And my 11-year-old, she was so looking forward to going to their spring camp because that was such a welcome break for her. I could tell that, you know, when she went back and she had that, you know, regular social surrounding around her, she was just happy. She was back to normal. And, um, you know, all, all of those kind of depressing thoughts went away. Wow, that's very interesting and and good to know that uh, they stepped in just at the right time. I'm fascinated with your perspective as a working mom with these two children. When it was time to go back, what thoughts were going through your head? What questions did you have? And, and just generally, what observations did you have when you returned? Well, see, I spent some time being a small business in the past. So while I work in the tech space right now, and you know, I live in the world of numbers and analytics. Um, so of course I was watching the trends. I was watching the statistics and the health concerns. It might sound you know, a little off, but honestly for me, that was not the biggest concern out there because I trusted for Primrose to do the right thing. They told us about all the protocols. The pickups were of course from the parking lot, the personnel were in masks, the temperature checks were in place. The, the hand washing was in place. Actually, my son came home one day and, he, and then he showed me how to wash his hands properly. And I was shocked because the kid could do better than I could. He told me that you, you do the top and you do the bottom and everything around it. But um, I guess what, what I was thinking about was, you know, the, the turbulent situation that the owner of the school might have found herself in. Because see, when you run a public service business such as daycare, you have a very large number of stakeholders that you have to strive and do right by. So you have the parents and there are the payers and many of them work from home. And of course they want their kids you know, to, have, um, um, to be taken care of, but they also have fears about sending their kids back due to the, you know, the health situation. Then you have the kids. They wanna be with their friends and they're negatively affected by this change. But again, you have to be mindful of the health conditions. And then last, you have your employees, the teachers who make essentially the heart of your business. And then you have the general public, including the media, and they're always watching. So it's such a balancing act to make everybody happy and to do the right thing by everybody. So it takes one little mistake or you know, one little 
um, minor incident for one of these groups, one of these stakeholder groups, to be upset and to start the negative publicity. If they feel like the business is not doing the right thing, and we've all seen what negative publicity could do to a small business, it could ruin it in no time at all. So opening up during the quarantine could have been perceived as a controversial thing. And I was watching Kim Musso, the owner of Primrose Alfreda East, uh, East, and this was not without awe because she did absolutely right by everybody. I know that it was an exercise for her to go through the prop, you know, figuring out the proper protocols and decide on the best course. And she did it amazingly, amazingly well. I'm actually looking up to her for that. Um, so those who needed more information, they received more information. She said, if you want to bring your kids back because you have to get back to work, we welcome you back. If you feel like you are not ready to bring them back, please keep them at home. We'll keep updating you on everything that's happening. We'll give you a discount so that, you know, you're not paying in full. So we're helping you out as well. And then, of course, the teachers, you know, they came back and they were receiving their pay. So all of this was happening while the owner kept communication channels open. And we knew what's happening now and what will be happening tomorrow. This was truly an amazing experience for me to watch a success story of a small business. You don't hear those a whole lot these days, but this was one of them. Yeah, that does sound amazing. It sounds like they really checked all the boxes. And we completely understand uh, the balancing act of all the decisions uh, being made during this time. So it sounds to me like you feel like your provider has done a really great job in meeting, not only communicating, but meeting all the new requirements um, as far as health and safety goes. Absolutely. Absolutely so. And overall, the children are responding well. They're, they're happy to be back. Is that still a good report? Your daughter's doing well? Oh, she's so happy to be back to the summer camps. And here's the funny thing. She's the oldest one of everybody there because usually daycare programs end at about 12 years of age. And she will be 12 in August. But she loves it so much. She wants to be a kindergarten teacher. So she's there. And they nicknamed her as the third teacher because she plays with all the younger kids, organizes them with activities. Like for her, that's truly, you know, she's putting heart and soul into making this an experience, not just for her, but for those younger kids around her. So yeah, it's been a blessing. That is great. She's found a career. What more can you ask? There is a silver lining if you look hard enough, even in COVID-19. <laughs> that is true. Right. Well, we're definitely moving into the time of year when uh, summer camps and summer day camps are beginning to open. Uh, they are allowed if they follow a list of 32 requirements. What are you hearing about how these camps are being received? Uh, well, we have two types of summer camps uh, for the programs that have an exempt summer day camp, which means they've actually received an exemption approval letter from our agency. Um, they are stepping up to comply so that they can serve their communities while keeping children and their families as safe and as healthy as possible. Um, they must follow the executive orders guidelines. And in addition, they also must follow the CDC guidance based on the verbiage that was listed in the executive order. Um, the CDC guidance is a recommendation for centers, but a requirement for day camps. And so on the flip side for our license program, if they have a summer camp in the license program and it's being operated under that program, they're not required to follow the 32 requirements. They are, however, required to follow the requirements under the education and children's section of the executive order, um, which also includes that they can't do field trips. And Dana, I was going to ask, why is that? I know we've gotten a lot of feedback uh, especially through our social media channels of why can't we do field trips if they're outside or that kind of thing. And then what about in-house field trips where guests come to the center? 
Right. Unfortunately, they aren't allowed to do the field trips, and that's from the guidance of the CDC. We've been working hand in hand with them and the governor's office, um, and we want to do as best as we can to lessen the transmission of the virus by not exposing children to other persons and environments outside of the control of their program. So if they were to go out and do an um, outside field trip away from the center, or if we had people coming in um, to the center, they don't have control of those visitors. They don't know, you know who they might have been in contact with or what they may be exposing to the children. And so to prevent the possibility of exposing children and staff to the virus, we've just canceled both of those. If families have questions about returning to child care or attending a summer day camp, what should they do? So I'll take this one. That's my, this is Melissa. Uh, first, the best thing they can do is check our website to see what programs are open and what services programs are offering. From there, they can talk, contact those programs. And I highly recommend just asking questions about what safety measures they're putting in place to ensure that children are kept safe from exposure to the coronavirus. Uh, if a parent wants to verify that the program is following the proper guidelines, then they can also find that information on our website as well. This is Dana. In addition, they can always call our intake line at 404-657-5562 and ask for the consultant of the day. We are available to them during normal business hours and we'll help them out in any way that we can. Terrific. Well, this has been great, Dana and Melissa. We have always appreciated you guys for all that you've been doing together, joining the agency at the exact same time. And I, I want to say a big thank you to Nadia, who I think now that she's on a podcast could come over and actually do a webinar for us. <laughs> she was that good. Uh, but thanks so Absolutely. much. For, and we'll have you over sometime. But thanks so much for all the information. Um, and I know for all of the parents who may be listening, uh, we are all hoping that this is over as quickly as possible. But a big thank you to you as well as to our providers uh, for the outstanding work that you've been doing to be so flexible uh, during a very challenging time. So, ladies, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now your questions from the water cooler. Hello, my name is Jay Boyd, and I am a pre-K specialist in the pre-K division. My question for the commissioner is, what is your favorite thing you've done with your family while under quarantine? Well, Jay, that's a great question. Uh, we've definitely had a lot more family time together, which is nice. Um, but I would say the favorite thing uh, we did was for our last day of school. Um, you know, of course, my children were a little disappointed. They didn't get to have their end of year party. So we surprised them with a scavenger hunt just around our house and in the backyard. And it ended um, on our lower, lower level with a um, almost like a rock show with uh, lights and loud music and a fog machine and light up hula hoops and all those glow in the dark tech things that you wear. Um, so they thought that was fun and it was, uh, it was fun for us to put together for them as well. And we should mention the reason those items were so readily available is your husband, John performs in a eighties cover band. Is that the way you would describe it? He, he does. Yes, that is correct. Most households don't have those things on hand, but luckily we do, <laughs> but it was fun. It well, came in pictures, handy this time. <laughs> the pictures look great and I know they loved it. So, you know, making the best of a bad situation with a fog machine and lights. I think it's great. We've got a little time. Fun. Let's take another question from the water cooler. 
Hello, my name is Olympia Scott. I'm an inclusion specialist in the Pre-K and Instructional Support Division. My question for Commissioner Jacobs is, we have all been impacted by COVID-19 in some shape or form. What are some things you would recommend for daily self-care? Well, that is a great question. And uh, some of the things that I try to keep in mind, especially as we're working from home 100% of the time, don't have a whole lot of opportunity to um, to get out, um, especially during the workday, I think it's important to take a few breaks because you can be at your computer eight, 10 hours a day, forget to get up for lunch or stretch your legs. So I think it's important to schedule those breaks and lunchtime, just like you, you know, you would if you're in a normal office, because if not, you will just, um, you'll overwork yourselves. And then, um, the other thing that I do is I, um, is exercise. It helps to clear my mind. It relieves some of the stress. It gets me moving after, you know, sitting in a chair at a computer all day trying to work. So, um, I think trying to definitely find that balance, make some time for yourself and getting some exercise uh, really helps to, to clear your head. And it's time for the decal download quiz. Your chance to win a nice prize by answering a question correctly and having your name drawn from all the correct answers. Send your response to decal download at decal.ga.gov. Here's the question. Under the current executive order, what are the group size requirements for a family child care learning home and a child care learning center? Under the current executive order, what are the group size requirements? Email your response to decaldownload at decal.ga.gov. We'll put all the correct answers together, draw out one name, and send you a nice prize. Thanks for playing and good luck. Thanks for tuning in to Decal Download. For more information, visit our website at decal.ga.gov. The conversation continues on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. Follow Commissioner Jacobs on Twitter at C-O-M-M Jacobs.